And then check out the Peregrine Falcons. They nest in the church. Yeah. Where? I don't know if it was, we had one that just flew off. Um, but if you see the window with the white underneath it, yeah. that's all a falcon. You are listening to Welcome back to another episode of the Urban Wildlife Podcast. In this episode, uh, Tony and I go check out some peregrine falcons in the Maniunk neighborhood of Philadelphia. We talk about peregrine falcons there and peregrine falcons generally. Um, and we actually have some really fun conversations with just the neighbors of Maniunk about peregrine falcons in their neighborhood. If you want to listen to more about urban raptors, um, guess what? We got an episode all about it. This is from June 16th, 2016, called All the Urban Raptors We Could Fit in One Episode. Um, we talk about barred owls, peregrine falcons, South African black sparrowhawks. Great cosmopolitan urban raptor conversation. And I almost forgot, we had another raptor episode, um, December 15th, uh, just this past year, 2017, um, where we went for a walk with Dr. Christian Hunold. Um, political scientist at Drexel University, um, who is a dedicated hawk watcher and and who also explores in his work um, the way that urbanites experience nature, engage with nature, um, and in this example, through the, the urban hawks of Philadelphia. Um, so it's another great look at how we in cities can enjoy, learn from, be inspired by um, our urban raptors. If you like the Urban Wildlife Podcast, please Rate us highly on your podcast listening app of choice. That helps other people who are just tooling around looking for something about wildlife, helps them find us also. Please tell your friends about the podcast. And of course, please get in touch with us at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com. Please hit us up on Twitter at urbanwildlifecast. And please find us on Facebook. Hey, podcast listeners, one more thing. We have started a Patreon account. So Patreon is this way that you can contribute some money to the Urban Wildlife Podcast. Basically, we need to get some new microphones. So if you could chip in a few bucks, that would be awesome. That will help us uh, improve the sound quality for you and for other listeners. And even before we announce this officially on the podcast, uh, we already have our first Patreon contributor. So Don Weber, thank you very much. So hey, you too can, can chip in and be part of the Urban Wildlife Podcast like this. So um, go to www.patreon.com slash urbanwildlifecast. And there you can chip in too. Thank you very much. We're going to start this episode off with a piece that isn't about raptors, but um, one of our listeners did get in touch with us, Rebecca, who lives in West Philly, to talk about her um, West Philly coyote experience. We went to the corner where it actually happened um, and talked about it there. I'm Rebecca, and um, we're in West Philly, and you want to know about the time I saw a coyote here. Yep. We are standing at 53rd and Pine Street basic West Philly row house area. Yeah, pretty There's much. school to our right in the parking lot. Yeah, residential area. So this was like three years ago, and uh, I was coming home from work. It was like uh, probably three or four o'clock in the morning, and uh, I was parking on 53rd between Osage and Pine, and I saw a coyote walking <laughs> up uh, <laughs> uh, the east side of 53rd Street and it had something in its mouth. I don't know what it was, food, I guess. It wasn't a pop or anything. Um, and it crossed over to the west side of the street. And um, so I get out of my car and I was watching it and it was just walking west on Pine Street. 
on the south side of the street and I followed it all the way up. It, it walked like two blocks and then I couldn't see it anymore. What made you think it was a coyote and not like a stray dog or something like that? Um, I'm from a more rural area, so we know the difference. Okay. <laughs> uh, just like it, its tail is, you know, like kind of fluffier and it's down and it, yeah. it's skinnier than like a domestic dog. It just walks totally different. Okay. So, yeah, I hunt and fish and stuff like that. So spent a lot of time outside. I work outside, so I know. You know a coyote when you see one. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, thank you very much. All right. So we are standing in Maniunk at a Fox Recreation Facility called Venice Island Performing Arts Center. It's a really nice facility uh, funded largely by the water department. Uh, it's right next to a pumping station. And it's a beautiful facility on the Maniunk Canal and on the Schuylkill River. And this itself would be a great place because a lot of native plant plantings, you can, a, like a catwalk up to the building that puts you right in the canopy of a sycamores and right along the river. It's really nice. But it has the best view of St. John the Baptist Church. And on the steeple, in a window, is a peregrine falcon nest and one soaring right now yeah. that looks straight at the center. It, it, it couldn't be more perfect. And, and so... It, the We just saw one that had been chilling underneath the cross on the steeple. It just took off to our left and when Tony says we're looking at the the steeple and we just so happened to have seen a presentation about this at the last Delaware Valley Ornithological Club meeting um, so I know that that open window that we're looking at um, that's facing out towards the river I guess it's the west facing window or southwest I don't west, know. west facing yeah. west facing um, there is a specially built box um, for the peregrine falcons the idea was that they've been nesting in this decrepit steeple and then they renovated the steeple and in the process put in a special box with a special little like passage leading to it um, so that the peregrines would have comfortable nesting. And the game commission uh, officials can come in there and open up it from, from the backside and process the, the fledglings and, yeah. and uh, you know, keep an eye on the progress Instead of, of the like birds. going up rickety ladders and floors yeah. and boards missing and stuff um, and on the outside right into the window there's a nice coating of uric acid um, and other parts of everything that come out of a bird's cloaca yeah uh, <laughs> where they just let fly out the side um, and we're hearing song sparrows in the background plus water from a fountain down the sidewalk a bit. Yeah, there's a, like a spray station, like a uh, kids can play in a fountain. Yeah. We've got goldfinches. We also also be here in the highway because <laughs> we're next to 76. This is cool. I love this spot. It's a. This is a, one of the coolest parts of Philadelphia, except that it's loved by like bro college people. Maniac. <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah. like, it would be like, it's a part of Philadelphia that looks like, I don't know, Pittsburgh or like San Francisco almost. Pittsburgh's really good, yeah. It's like real hilly. And Narrow little streets. Yeah, and right along a river. It's like really cool. Like it's, it would be like the spot in any other city except that it's just known for like college bros and like white hats and like when I was a, When I was a kid, we called them white, white caps. Yeah. Or white hats. It was like the, our, the shorthand for that <laughs> sort of broiness. Um, and there's some chimney swifts zipping around. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about peregrines. This is a. Uh, this is like every a lot of people's favorite urban wildlife story because yeah we chose it as our logo for a reason as our logo exactly yeah um, but they had gone pretty near extinct especially in the east of the of North America um, thanks to DDT well they kind of have well, what I mean by that is well, there you go is the falcons we have now are a um, what's the a Chimea? A Chimea? What's it? Chimea? Chimera. 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 Yeah. They are a Chimera. Um, not, not the not the contested part of the Ukraine. The, the Chimera. <laughs> uh, of different subspecies of, of peregrine falcon. Um, the eastern subspecies is... Um, ex- Sorry, we're looking at a... House sparrows like looking like it's trying to hawk some spiders over yeah, there. Yeah, in a, in a, in a street light. Fluttering under a street light, looking up into it. Yeah, that was cool. So, all right, they are chimera of different subspecies because the eastern subspecies um, was almost entirely rendered extinct by DDT, and what ones were around um, are na- have now pretty much interbred with the birds that were released to replenish the population. So falconers. The Western population. Yeah, yeah. So falconers had a. Um, and there might even be some from like European birds. I'm not even sure because they got them from falconers. Yeah, so falconers yeah. provided breeding stock. So it's one of the things where like I'm not like all about. I'm not like I kind of think falconry is weird. <laughs> um, it's not. I'm not like all about it, but you know, I'm. I don't like it. It's like collecting. We're like yeah. You know, it, it's like um, museum collections where you're kind of like, oh, this is. Uh, why do we still have to do this? But it turns out with with peregrine falcons and ospreys and bald eagles and I think brown pelicans um, they were able to realize that brown pelicans? yeah they were also hit heavily by DDT but people had them in captivity? no I'm talking about the collections of like museum collections so oh, yeah, actually yeah. killing birds and putting them in drawers got it got it got it, got it. And, and there was all this genetic material available I was trying to imagine pelican yeah. falconry where you send them out there to catch a fish <laughs> yeah uh, well they do it cormorants so why not yeah I guess so and they're so they had all these birds in um, in collections that were able to actually look at the the levels of you know ca- uh, pollution in the birds. Yeah. Um, is that a what kind of swell is that? A barn swallow? Yeah. Okay. Barn and, swallow working the the air above the canal. And they also had eggs that collected, so they were able to measure eggshell thickness and look yeah. at. Yeah. So they they had all this you know on hand to to um, make a case that DDT was indeed. The, the culprit in the eggshell thinning of those birds causing decline. And they also had birds... Comes the turkey vulture off the distance. Maybe the peregrines will harass it. Yeah, yeah they also had the um, birds in captivity and falconry. And and the falconers also have the know-how. Of how to actually raise yeah. baby birds. So, yeah. You know, it, it, so it, it, it makes it a fun discussion, which why don't we get into, um, about... Like, so we've got these urban, very urban populations of peregrines because when they were initially trying to release them in quote unquote natural habitat, like on cliff faces, um, which in PA, at our state, the home state of Pennsylvania, was really only along the, the Susquehanna River, right? The bluffs over the Susquehanna. Um, I think so, a little bit of northern Delaware and Lehigh, too. Maybe, okay, maybe up on bluffs, other parts of rivers. But um, they, hadn't, they hadn't been, let's say, naturally in cities before that. But then they well, were. They were on City Hall. There's a, they've been on City Hall for over 100 years. They have? Yeah, they're breeding on, on City right. Hall before DDT. 
So, I might just cut out the line of conversation entirely. Um, but the... No, without a doubt, they de um, the proportion of falcons nesting on cliffs to man-made has completely shifted to, to but, so, the vast majority is now in the cities. So what I wonder about, though, is like, is there a thought experiment, would that have happened if, in the absence of DDT, and in the absence of like a couple hundred years of us shooting them out of the sky whenever we saw them? Because it's like, when you read, like I was just reading for another project, the history of the Pennsylvania Game Commission, um, and then also reading other sort of uh, historical, call historical, but, but like natural history accounts from various points in the past. And like, no one had any compunction about blasting quote unquote duck hawks out of the sky when they saw them, you know? Right. And in fact, they, you know, they, they used to be, um, people would just line up along Sunset um, Avenue in um, Cape May and just slaughter every hawk, every hawk mountain, every yeah. hawk mountain, the same thing. So. so when we have these like urban reflourishings of like peregrine falcons or even like thinking about Cooper's hawks and red tail hawks, which, you know, you can, like, red tails year round, Cooper's especially in the winter, are very much urban birds now. Yeah. Like, would they I think have... Coopers are, I think Coopers are year-round. I think I think Coopers. I wouldn't be surprised if Cooper hawks. They definitely outnumber peregrines in the cities. I wouldn't be surprised if they match or outnumber red tails. There you go. It's just red tails are you know they soar and they're and they're easy they're to big, see. Big obvious bird. Yeah. Coopers, well, you might just think it's a big pigeon or something. Yeah. Uh, so then. Howdy. Hi. How are you doing? Let check out the peregrine falcons. They nest in the it? church. Yeah. Where? I don't know if was, we had one that just flew off, um, but if you see the window with the white underneath it, yeah. that's all a falcon. Where they hang out. Huh? And they nest in, in, in the, and they've done nesting and the younger is now flying around and they tend to come back in the evening to the, to the tower. That's awesome. Are they big? Yeah, they're, they're like, a, you know, um, almost two feet long and yeah. weigh about you know, two pounds. That's awesome. Man. How are they uh, different from, let's say, a hawk or something? Like so they're, they're, falcons are a lot, you know, they, they they have you know hooked bill and uh, and, and and talons, but they're actually not related. They're regularly related to hawks, and they have like pointed wings and like a a long tail. And they they these they hunt other birds almost exclusively. Well, some hawks do hunt other birds, other birds. but you, most hawks you know hunt hunt you know like red-tailed hawks, like mammals stuff. and things yeah. like that. These are bird specialists, and they they dive on top of them, and they can hit 200 miles an hour. Dude, I was at a. So I was in someone's, I sell flooring. And I remember uh, their glass, their, uh, their storm door was open, it was glass, and it looked like snow coming down, but it was hot outside. And I'm like, what the hell is it? <laughs> so I walk outside, and it was feathers. Nice. The bird had another bird on, on the top of a telephone pole, and it was just picking them apart and throwing the feathers. Yeah. And I went back in, I said, hey, there's a, a hawk out there eating another bird. And they go, we thought it was snowing. We didn't know what it was. It was freaking, uh, yeah, if you, if you go up by the church on the on the ground, there's like pigeons and starlings and all the things. just like Wings and heads yeah. and feet yeah. and stuff, yeah. Have a good right, night. Uh, so the That'd Coopers, be funny to actually put that in there, that interaction. I think I might. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Coopers, Red Tails. So these are, so the question I always have is, how prevalent would they have, would they have always been urban birds if they had been allowed to fly around while cities were really developing and hadn't just been shot on sight? I think there would have Starting in the colonial period, you know? My guess would be that there would be, I think the, uh, 
no one actively hacked per, um, excuse me no one actively hacked you know that's a term for like raising raptors and releasing them I guess they call hacking because they no one is, I saw that term yeah yeah no one no one's uh, actively hacked Coopers and red tail hawks and they right? manage on their own right and there's actually more of them than, than, than peregrines um, and basically all that happened there is we stopped shooting them yeah yeah but I do think that the numbers of peregrines nesting, at least the proportion um, of them nesting in cities compared to man-made structures, is, is is skewed towards cities because of human intervention. Yeah, I think that has to be the case. And that they were they were raised that way and remember it, and, and sort of you've almost got a cultural aspect to their nesting preferences now. Yeah, and I think I'm curious. If a lot of these peregrines now, if they would even recognize like a cliff as like a viable nest option because they're so used to like man-made structures. Yeah, I don't know. Ooh, yeah, I love song sparrows. Yeah. So in weird Philadelphia, so song sparrow is our most common sparrow year-round. Um, by sparrow, you mean actual native sparrows? Yeah. Versus the ubiquitous. But but house sparrow. Yeah. But all right, I mean these are I guess related to the European buntings, and our buntings here are actually cardinals. So. So all you Europeans listening, don't get yeah. too confused. Um, but all you Europeans listening will also know that peregrines nest, I was looking this up, in a lot of cities in, in Europe. Most UK cities now have nesting peregrines. Um, I was looking up like peregrines nesting in like Warsaw and Poland, Brussels, um, the Polish ones have been coming in from Germany. So it seems that like urban peregrines, wherever there are, at least in Europe and North America, where there are peregrines, there are urban peregrines. I was poking around some South American stuff, but I couldn't find anything about them nesting in, because they're in like the southern third of South America. And so I was like checking, or do they nest in Buenos Aires, but I couldn't find anything saying they do. But they certainly like occasionally are around. You know what's interesting point. to me is like how rare orange-breasted falcon is. So orange-breasted falcon is, very closely related to peregrine and it's it it's a rainforest species so right uh, from southern mexico to like northern argentina and it nests on like cliffs in rainforests and that's not always hard so that's pretty hard to come by yeah you think they'd and, be in manaus or something like that yeah and so you know if you go to um any of these tropical cities there's tons of birds in those cities that they would be good prey items you know lots of yeah you know doves and parakeets and um <laughs> you know a lot of things that i think they would you know it's interesting that they i don't know of any and that bird is like really hard to find because you, you essentially have there's only to call the actually well they, they nest on man structures they nest on to call they nest on on, on mayan structures <laughs> so and i think there's a tower they nest on it so why so they do nest in man-made structures. Why haven't they gotten to the cities? Because yeah, you would think like in every city in Central America, then yeah, yeah. like yeah, exactly. Manaus would be a great spot. Like Lima, um, I don't know about it so much. Maybe Terrapodo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, ter- yeah. T- same like Terrapodo and and uh, uh, Iquitos and some of these other. You know. Plus, I think they're they're at least. They're off tr- in the Andes. I said Iquito, not Quito. Iquitos. Oh, there you go. Got Iquitos it. is the. The Peru, yeah, yeah, gotcha. but I think in the they were in south. I think they're in south in southeast Brazil too, in the rainforest, the Atlantic forest, and uh, there's uh, that's where almost all the Brazilian cities are. 
question for you. Are there, I was looking up also peregrine relatives like from South Asia, something called a Shaheen falcon. Might be a different name for it. Yeah. But there are, but there are peregrine relatives. Or, or, like Lanner falcon, Saker falcon. But like, no, no, um, no. But like, I think like a subspecies of peregrine. Oh, subspecies, yeah. Um, in South Asia. I couldn't find anything about them nesting in cities. Um, I was trying. Uh, but anyhow, our European listeners might very well recognize. And also, I mean, like urban raptors, we've got, we did a whole piece on um, black sparrowhawks in South Africa, very urban. We've got plenty of kestrels in cities all over yeah. Europe and North America. Yeah, the... the well, it seems to be like more of a European thing. Yeah, the, the European it. and the lesser kestrel are notorious nesting on man-made structures. And then uh, there was the kestrels in Palestine that we talked about. Yeah. Um, where you've got kestrels nesting on some of the oldest man-made structures Hey, I, I got an episode. I got something we got to explore. I know a... a, a bird of prey in Europe that's notorious for nesting man-made structures. Eurasian eagle owl. Really? Yeah. Those are awesome. Yeah, because they nest, that's a cliff nesting species. So there's a famous video of a, I think it's in Finland, of a football game where the uh, where the owls are attacking the players in Finland. Because they were nesting nearby? and they were Nesting in the stadium. <laughs> so Eurasian eagle owl nests on man-made structures. Cause so it's, these are like, so if you think like great horned owls are big, the eagle hours are, are they're bigger. Yeah, like right? a quarter bigger, yeah. And so when you see pictures, someone shows you a picture of like, here's an owl dragging a deer out of the snow or something. That's the eagle owl. Yeah. Um, uh, the, um, and that one picture of like a big owl picking up a... a no, that wasn't... That's is it a golden eagle? No, there's some picture of an owl picking up a cat. Oh. That makes the rounds of the internet. That's a, that's a barred owl. That's a barred owl? Yeah, I'm well, surprised. Damn, all right. They're not that big, yeah. <clears throat> As there's a falconer um, that would come to events in Philly, um, and, I just, and she has a um, Eurasian eagle owl, and I was talking to her okay. about it, and she's like, I can never do this with gray horn. She's like, Eurasian eagles might be bigger, but um, gray, horns, gray horns are way fiercer. They're okay. way tougher. So. All right. Great horned owl is the greatest looking owl in the world. It's a fabulous owl. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's the classic looking owl. Like, and it's got the classic call. Yeah. Or song, whichever you want to call it. Like the, the I mean, the owl, looking for owl goes, woohoo. I mean, that's. Yeah. And then I remember, remember, I remember, um, what, in Australia, they got, was the powerful owls? Yeah. There was another urban I got owl. to see, see one. Yeah, I, I looked for them in nesting in uh, um, the botanic gardens, but I didn't, I saw one in a Royal National Park, which is like a park that's within, you know, Sydney, um, it's like you know, it's 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 where like city starts to sprawl a bit, and well, you yeah, know. But I feel like I see this kind of thing on twi- on on um, Twitter sometimes from Australian birders, like of like powerful owl eating possum and like yeah, and it's like usually big, big yeah, big gardens, you know, like yeah. a botanic garden or like the grounds of the zoo or something. Uh, also in Australia, they have their the trop the um, the tropical counterpart. It's a little bit smaller as the uh, rufous owl, and okay. the rufous owl some of the. I looked for it, didn't see it, but it's like had a great funk career. Yeah, <laughs> two, two of the great, uh, three of the most reliable locations for Rufus Owl is Cairns, that city, that like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, Townsville, another city, and then um, Darwin. Okay. And and they are apparently um, 
um, specialist on um, flying foxes. Oh. Yeah. Well, there. And fly, if you go to Australia. A lot of flying foxes. Yeah, everywhere, yeah. So that's cool. I mean, that's an episode, too, the urban flying foxes. I mean, it's crazy. You're walking out of Sydney, and you look up, and the Batman symbols above your head. We, we did an episode on we did, yeah. flying foxes of, of Karen's. That's right, yeah. Got a very attractive dog coming our way right did now. Did you get video of your uh, of your ne- nestling banding participation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Tony, every year... Um, How's it going? Except for actually one year that I did it, and you weren't there, which was several years ago. I feel like every other year... You are up there in City Hall or another building with your buddy, Art McMorris. Who looks like Robert Redford. Who's uh, the game commission guy and also a local birder um, who does all the banding of the fledgling peregrines around PA. All those you can get to because there's so many pairs now. Um, But they like to do a big media event in Philadelphia every year where they invite city officials and they invite... Yeah, the um, mayor has come twice now. Mayor has come twice. This this new mayor is really cool. Our previous mayor... mayor Mayor He was fine, but our new mayor... I don't think he was in nature. Yeah, our new mayor is like a cool guy. Um, So they would come and like check out the Falcons and and Tony's there. You've been the broom man, right? Yeah. Broom man is the guy who stands out there with a broom and when the adult Falcons try to dive bomb the biologist who's pulling the fledglings out of the nest box... Tony's job is to block the, the Falcons coming in, um, not to hit them, but to block. I remember I, I was a broom man. When I've I also it. been the the, the nestling uh, fetcher. Yeah, and like uh, that's scarier. Yeah, the hand, <laughs> well, no, no, no. He handed me the nestlings, and I run them back to the ah, okay. box, and we'll come back. The nestling shovel. And then I've also been the note taker. Aha. I can never do because my handwriting's terrible. Yeah. Um, but the broom position's fun because you sort of. It's like a real-life video game where you've got these, like, falcons that come in from a block away to make the turn up in the sky, and then they're coming for you. <laughs> and we don't whack them with the broom. We just hold the broom up to give them a, a target that's not someone's head. Exactly. Yeah. Not quite action exactly, but we just saw a heron fly by. So a little later, um, after we'd sort of wrapped up what we thought was the recording for this episode, and we're getting ready to go into a pizza joint... We ended up spotting Falcons again and then chatting with a few folks on the street right there in Maniunk. We were parking our car to head over to get pizza. Same general neighborhood, Maniunk. And we heard the, we heard the sounds of what looks to be one of the fledglings, a female begging food from her dad. And now overhead, you're also going to hear some chimney swift chattering. She's now the fledgling female perched by herself on top of power line tower by uh, regional rail tracks. And um, got the chimney swiss flying around. So we're saying in spite of all of our complaints for the unholy trio, we got a lot of native birds. Indeed we do. In our sky right now. Um, Peregrine falcon. They nestle St. John the Baptist. So that's it for this urban wildlife podcast episode in the field. I'm talking about urban peregrine falcons in Philadelphia's Maniunk neighborhood and also peregrine falcons elsewhere in the world. Hope you liked it. If you did like it, please rate us highly on your podcast listening app of choice. Please tell your friends about it. And of course, please feel free to get in touch with us at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com. And please hit us up on Twitter at urbwildlifecast.com. 
please don't forget if you want to chip in to the Urban Wildlife Podcast and basically help us buy some new microphones. Uh, you can check us out at www.patreon.com slash urbanwildlifecast, and you can throw in a few bucks, and we can get better microphones and hopefully improve the listening experience for you and other listeners. Thank you. Thank you.